college and career as well, teaching them. So I did a lot of Bible teaching there while also being an attorney. Um, we've, I've asked him to come and speak on a topic about planning for the day when we're no longer living in this life and what happens afterward, not so much with us and our souls, but what happens afterwards with what it is that God has blessed us with in this world. Um, does it go to our children? How does it get to our children? Uh, where does it go? How does it get there? And so he's going to talk about some things that are very practical that I think will be a real help to us as individuals, some things that many of us haven't even thought about. Um, of course, recently uh, we said goodbye to someone that we cared about, a 35-year-old father uh, left this earth and went on to be with the Lord. And uh, he was not expecting that to happen either. So it's a serious matter. It's about stewardship. And whether you may consider yourself to be the owner or the possessor of much physical wealth, or maybe you'd say, Pastor Seth, I don't have hardly anything at all. Uh, whether it's a lot or whether it's a little in our eyes, it's still what's, what God has entrusted into our care, and we're responsible for it. And so um, he's going he's gonna to teach the Word of God tonight, but he's also going to give you some very practical things that can be helpful for you, and I'm looking forward to hearing it myself. It might be help, it'll be helpful to me, I'm sure, as well. So, Mr. Anderson, would you come and teach us God's Word? Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. appreciate that. All right, good evening. Okay, let's do that again, all right? Make sure you're interacting with me tonight, all right? Good evening. All right, that's better. Thank you. All right, so before we get started, um, I, wanna, I just want to pray, ask God's blessing on this for, for God to give me wisdom. Uh, I want you to know here that I'm here tonight to be a blessing to you and encourage you, all right? That's, that's what I'm here for. We are going to, I gave you a couple handouts we are going to go through the Word of God because that's my passion, as, as Pastor Seth already mentioned. I teach Sunday morning. Uh, I teach the college and career class on Wednesday night. I've been teaching basically Sunday morning, Sunday night for about 20 years. Uh, so that's two lessons a week for 20 years. Um, you know, do the math. I'm not going to do it in my head right now. But uh, I, I love the Word of God. And to me, every one of our decisions that we make should be guided by this. Amen? Everything, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So I'm not here to sell you anything. If you saw, if you heard the word attorney, and you went like this, I, I understand. Okay, I get that. I do the same thing with other attorneys at times. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna have fun tonight. We're gonna learn something. Uh, I want to encourage you. Uh, there's gonna be time afterwards if you want to ask me questions. I'm gonna stay later. Uh, if anyone wants to talk to me any further about what we talked about tonight, well, let's uh, let's go and get started in a word of prayer. And then I'm going to share you my testimony of how, of how Christ has changed my life, right? So let's, let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you with praise and thanksgiving. Lord, you are an awesome God. You are God and God alone. There's none beside you. None can be compared to you. All-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, never-changing God, you have blessed us incredibly. Uh, we thank you that we can be called children of the King through our blessed Savior, Jesus Christ, and his sacrifice on the cross for our sins, his shed blood taking our place so that we could have eternity with him. Thank you, Lord, for such a gift. Father, I pray tonight that you would use this time here for your glory. Pray, Father, that we'll learn some things, gain some knowledge, uh, maybe gain some knowledge of the Word of God that will help us apply it to our lives and, and grow to be wise stewards of all you've given us. And you've given us abundantly, more than we could ask or think. 
and, and we thank you for that. Lord, bless our time tonight. Pray, Father, that you'll give me wisdom and insight. May your Holy Spirit give me the words to say and also hold me back from saying words that I shouldn't say. And just pray, Lord, that we'll leave this place knowing that you have met with us here tonight and that we'll leave changed people and really, Lord, understanding you and your word more and loving you more. We thank you for all these things in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share my testimony with you. Uh, I'm going to go back. I'm going to try to make this brief because I could spend a lot of time on this. And really, to be honest, um, the Word of God and, and Jesus Christ is everything to me. And, and really, this talking about estate planning, which we'll talk about next, is a, is a sub part of my life, right? It's just, it's, it's part of, God has uniquely gifted me as an attorney to be able to do that and help people and serve people in that regard. So I'm going to start back. Um, as a young person, I started drinking at an early age. Uh, by the time I graduated from high school, I was a full-blown alcoholic um, by any, any definition. Uh, actually... I always like to tell people this. If you looked up definition in the dictionary of alcoholic, I was the perfect one. Um, I remember when I finally got, got a hold of me and had me quit drinking, uh, I went through rehab, and uh, there was a, just 10, 10 questions, the top 10 questions to show you're an alcoholic. And uh, I was on the top of the charts on 8 of 10. So I was, I was a heavy drinker, <laughs> all right? So I went to Michigan State University, uh, graduated there with a degree in economics. Again, as everyone knows, ungodliness abounds on that campus. Uh, so my drinking just got worse and worse and worse. How I made it through school, I don't know. Only by God's grace. How I'm still alive is God's grace. Amen? Only by God's grace. Uh, but uh, fast forward a little bit. My first year in law school, all right, I went to Cooley Law School, which is in Lansing. Uh, first semester in law school, first month, September, I got arrested for drunk driving twice in, in a period of a month, and both times my blood alcohol level was above .20. Now, I remember the second time I got arrested for sure because it was in the middle of the day. Uh, I was headed to happy hour. How do you like that, happy hour, right? And, and I got in a car accident, and the police officer starts talking to me, asking me questions, he asked me open you know, get my registration out of my car, and I opened the car door. He said he smelled alcohol, gave me the breathalyzer test, everything, and, and I blew the breathalyzer, and, and it was .21. And the police officer even said to me, he goes, this can't be right. I, I just had, I, I mean, I'm talking to you just the way I was talking to him that day. And I blew it again, and it was .22. And, and the police officer said to me, he goes, son, you must be an experienced drinker because you shouldn't even be able to walk or talk at .20. And here I was, driving a car, having a conversation with him, like it was nothing. And so that night, as I was sitting in jail, <laughs> uh, pondering, what is going on here? So literally, I, I can almost guarantee you, about 90% of the time, I was walking around legally intoxicated. That's how bad it was. I was, I was drinking so much and not even realizing it. And this is, this is what sin does, right? Sin deceives us into thinking we're okay, and it's a path to hell. Amen? I was, I mean, I cannot, I cannot stress enough to you. I tell this amazing how God has used my testimony so many times. 
um, with people that struggle with drinking. Um, I don't, there's many times where I don't know how I made it home from how I got home. Wake up and, wow, how did I get here? Only by God's grace did I not kill myself or kill somebody else. I mean, just from the amount of alcohol that I drank, I should have been dead. Seriously. And, and I, I look back on my life, and I deserve hell. I had earned the wages of hell. <laughs> I, was, I had stored up wrath for the day of wrath. And let's fast forward a few years. So I quit drinking my first year in law school. Now I've been sober for about three years. I graduated from law school. I still um, I had a knowledge of God. So let me back up. When I was a kid, my dad used to take me to a Baptist church. All right? Thank God for parents and grandparents that take their kids to church. Because you never know when that knowledge might grab a hold of someone's heart. Amen? You just don't know. And so, fast forward three years, I'm graduated from law school, started my own law practice, married, had a kid. So all this. <laughs> and, and starting your own practice takes a lot of time and a lot of effort, and I was extremely driven, extremely ambitious. It was all about me. And whoever got in my way, I would run over them because you're in the way of my goal. And that's the way I was. And, and I guarantee you, uh, people did not want to witness to me. <laughs> All right? I was hard-headed, hard-hearted, and, and I needed a wake-up call. So, so my, my wake-up call came. I, I came home from work one day. I'd been working um, to start my practice. I was probably working 80, 90 hours a week. I was gone all the time. I get home from work. Nobody's home. My wife had left with my daughter, and she said, I went to find my happiness somewhere else. Don't try to find me. So at this time, I've been sober for about three years. And uh, I, I can't tell you the, the feelings <laughs> that I went through in this. But my, uh, about a week, I don't know how I, again, only by God's grace. So she, she left on a Friday. The following Saturday... My, my father-in-law called me on the phone. And I'm thinking, oh boy, he's going to rip into me for being a bad dad, bad husband, all this. So I just, just take the medicine and get it over with, right? So I answer the phone, and none of that. He said, Matt, how are you doing? How can I pray for you? How can I help you? And, and, he, and he said, can I pray for you right now? I said, please pray for me. And, and I can't remember a word that he prayed. <laughs> But I know the Holy Spirit was working because as soon as he hung up the phone, I got down on my knees in the middle of my living room and I said, Lord, I made a mess of my life and I need help. And that was my sinner's prayer. So you don't have to pray some, you know, long, perfect prayer. <laughs> Just acknowledging that you're a mess and you need help, right? And, that, and I'm telling you from that moment, he completely changed the tra- trajectory of my life. Uh, I could tell you so many stories and I'm just thankful that he, that he saved me. Um, and I, I tell people this all the time. I tell kids this especially. Do not even, don't, don't even take a drink. Don't even think about taking a drink. Just avoid it all together. And that way you don't have to worry about it, right? Not this, oh, you can do this much. And see, You see, we, we do this with sin again, is we, we see how close we can get to the line without crossing it, right? <laughs> Instead, we should say, how far away can I stay from that line? So, anyway, that's, that's my story. If you ever, you know, you want to share it with someone, please do. 
if you ever have someone that you know that struggles with drinking and, and maybe they want someone to talk to, man, I'd be more than happy to, to talk to them. God has used me many times to talk to my friends and other people that have, that have gone through this, this kind of issue, and I can relate to what they're going through. So, on that note, let's go ahead and get into the topic, all right? Uh, our topic tonight, we are going to talk about stewardship, planning for peace of mind, all right? So, if you got your first, the first handout, at the very top it says planning for peace of mind, Okay? What is estate planning? So I I wrote a definition there, and the definition says estate planning is basically the process of incorporating a person's property, family, and values into a prayerful and well-thought-out distribution plan that achieves a person's goals and desires. So first of all, I want to talk about why estate planning, all right? Why Why is it important? Well, God wants us to be wise stewards of what he's given to us. Amen? And, and all that we have, all that we are, God has given it to us. Amen? God has given me the gift and the ability to... Pre- See, I, I passed the bar and went through law school and started my practice before I was saved. You think God had a plan before I was saved? Yeah, absolutely he did, right? And so when we talk about estate planning, I, don't want, I want you to keep an open mind because I know a lot of people at this point will shut their minds off and say, well, I don't have very much or I don't need that or I don't, I don't, don't, don't. Just move all your, take all your preconceived ideas and notions out, all right? And if you've already done estate planning, awesome. I commend you on that, all right, for the wisdom in doing so. And as I mentioned before, and I'm going to say it again because I, I really mean this, I am not here to sell you on something, all right? Take that out of your mind, too. <laughs> I'm, I'm here to give you some information and some education on why it's wise to do estate planning. And it's, it also includes not just planning for, for your death, but also the possibility of an incapacity where you're, you're disabled and still alive, right? Or, you know, you have to go into a nursing home stay or something like that. How do we, we need to plan for these things, right? So... Couple couple scriptures I wanna I wanna turn to first. And and number one is Psalm Psalm ninety verse twelve. Alright? Psalm ninety verse twelve. And the word of God is is so awesome anyway, but uh, <laughs> this is a this is a consistent principle throughout scripture, alright? Psalm ninety verse twelve. And this is a psalm by Moses, alright? And Moses writes this, the word of God says so teach us to number our days that we may p- apply our hearts unto wisdom. Teach us to number our days. Our days are numbered. Amen? Tells us that in Psalm 139. Our, our days, God knows our, the number of our days even before we're born. How does he know that? I don't know. He's God. I'm not. Amen? <laughs> but he says, teach us to number our days. See, here, in, in our culture especially, our Americanized culture... Ooh, can't talk about death. Can't think about death. That's, I had a client tell me, and I just I laughed. He said, Matt, if I talk about this, I'm going to die. I said, oh, my goodness. Guess what? You are going to die. What Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed once for man to die, and then the judgment, right? We, you're not getting out of this alive. <laughs> Unless Christ returns... And we all go together. Wouldn't that be awesome if he came right now? That would, 
Man, I would just love that. But as, as we're here and we're talking about the Word of God, Lord, teach us to number our days. See, if we, the more you start thinking about the end of your life, the more powerfully you'll live your life now. It's a, it's a principle of stewardship. If you think about it, see, if we, we put it off, we don't think about it, it's not, it's, it's urgent. It, I'm sorry, it's, it's important, but it's not urgent, right? Everything else in our life is urgent. What's urgent? Texts, emails, phone calls, uh, the next thing on our to-do list. You know, Satan loves to get us busy. Busy, 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 busy. We wear it like a badge of honor. I'm so busy. Well, yeah, what are you busy about? Are you, are you being productive for God's kingdom? Are you, are you winning souls to Christ? Are you influencing people for Christ? Are you just, or are you just busy? Because we can busy our schedules, right? It's pretty easy to do. Just fill your schedule and say, look at me, I'm so busy. I got all these emails. I got 70,000 emails. I got 500,000 friends on Facebook and I'm on Twitter. And, and we're so distracted with all these things that we're not focused on what really matters. Amen? We need to focus on what matters. Lord, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom so we don't have the illusion. And this applies, I know I'm applying it to, to estate planning, but I also want to apply it spiritually, right? We can't just keep putting things off. Today is the day for salvation. If there's someone you want to witness to and need to, go talk to them. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Right? We don't know. And so we say, well, I'll do it this way. or I'll wait. And we, because we have this illusion of limitless time, we put things off that we know are important, and we don't take care of them. And, and it could be something else besides estate planning. It might be something spiritually that you're going through that you know you need to take care of that you haven't. All right, let's turn to another verse here, and this is all the introductions, so, boy, I better get moving here. Uh, Proverbs 13, Proverbs 13, verse 22. Proverbs 13, verse 22. Again, another awesome biblical principle that I, that I like about this, and also the spiritual application, both of these. And, and really, let me back up just for a second, because Jesus talked more about money than he did just about every other topic. And so our money is a spiritual matter. Amen? Amen? It, it is spiritual. And we, we, oh no, you can't talk about my money. That's private. Sorry. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a matter of stewardship. God wants us to be wise stewards, all right? That's what this is about. I'm not, again, I'm not here to guilt or shame anybody either, okay? We just want to follow biblical principles. Proverbs 13, verse 22. A good man... Leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. So you can look at this two ways. First of all, with, with estate planning, with wealth transfer. What do I want to pass on to my children and my grandchildren? Do I want to pass something on to my children or grandchildren? And we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get into the practical stuff. But more importantly to me, as you read this, a good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. So, what kind of legacy are you leaving for your children? Are you, are you investing in them spiritually and your grandchildren? Right? That's more important than what we, uh, the possessions we leave behind. Amen? I mean, possessions are important, 
But more important to me is what kind of legacy are you leaving for your, your children and your grandchildren? And so when, you know, going back to what I talked about in the definition of estate planning, I, I believe it's a matter of prayer. It's a, it's a personal plan for what God, how, how God wants you to distribute your wealth to your, maybe he, maybe he doesn't want you to give to your children or grandchildren. Maybe he wants you to give somewhere else, to, to the church or to a charity or somebody else that needs it more. I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit, okay? So just remember this. A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. All right, now turn to 2 Kings. I know we're going to be all over the place, but I'm glad you get, a lot of you got your Bible, so this is good. 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 20. And this can also be found in Isaiah 38. We're going to look at 2 Kings chapter 20. And this is God speaking to Hezekiah. King Hezekiah. Give you a second to get there. Second Kings. I know that's the area in the Bible where your pages stick together more because you don't read that as much, right? <laughs> Second Kings 20, verse 1. The Word of God says, In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came to him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. So here, God speaks through Isaiah and tells Hezekiah, get your affairs in order, get your house in order. Now, this has to do with, again, having your family in order. Maybe it's spiritual and also financial. Get your, have your affairs in order. You know, this is, to me, it's so important. And here he tells Hezekiah, because Hezekiah, he tells him, now, God isn't going to come to us and tell us when we're going to die, right? I guess we could pray for it, but, I mean, Hezekiah has a direct word here. You're going to die, so get your house in order. So we don't need a direct word from God. We know we're going to die, right? We already talked about that. <laughs> so it's biblical to get your, get your house in order. It's, it's providing for your family ahead of time. It's being prepared. It's thinking through difficult decisions while you're of sound mind, rather than waiting till you're under some stress and difficulty and grief and pain and, and all the other things that can go along with when you're dealing with someone's, someone's death. All right, so he tells those, tell, Isaiah tells Hezekiah right here, get your, get your house in order. Now we know the rest of the story. Hezekiah prays, you know, heal me. He heals him, gives him a sign he's going to heal him. Like the, I love it. I, I, I have to read this. I was going to skip over, but I can't. Um, he wants a sign, right? Hezekiah says, give me a sign that I'm going to be healed. And go, look down at verse 9. Isaiah said, This sign shalt thou have of the Lord, that the Lord will do the thing that he has spoken. Shall the shadow go forward 10 degrees or back 10 degrees? So he's talking about turning back time. <laughs> Listen to this. And Isaiah the prophet cried unto the Lord, and he, uh, and he brought the shadow 10 degrees backward, by which it had gone down in the dial of Ahaz. God, turn back time. What? That's impossible. Not with God. Amen. Amen. I, I just love that. I'd like to add that in the story. But Hezekiah knew he was going to die. God told him to get his house in order. So this is what we need to be prepared for. So let's move on to some more biblical principles. But before there, under, under letter A in your outline, it says three questions. All right? So I'm going to ask you three questions, and I need participation from the audience on this one, all right? Number one, 
How many of us know it's wise to plan? Right? You plan ahead. We even pl- we plan for vacations, right? If you're, going, if you're going on a flight, do you go to the airport and say, just give me a ticket wherever, I don't care? No, we, we, even, we get online and look for the best price and where are we going and where do we want to go and, and we start planning these things ahead. So we know it's wise to plan. Number two, and we already answered this question, so I'm going to answer, ask it again, but how many of us know we're going to die? Uh, yes, right? So we know it's wise to plan. We know we're going to die. Number three, how come we don't plan for our death? We don't like thinking about it. We don't like talking about it. And so there's a lot of things I, I, I could come up with. You. There's a lot of objections why people don't want to do it, don't know where to start. It's overwhelming. It's intimidating. Don't know who to talk to. Um, all those kind of things. All right? But I, I want you to seriously start thinking about this and praying. God, what would you have me to do? Give me, give me wisdom in this. All right? So let's, let's go down to letter B. Let's look at the five biblical principles related to estate planning. All right? Number one. Turn to Psalm 24, verse 1. Psalm 24, verse 1. I'm sure a lot of you can quote this verse. This is, this is the number one purpose of being a wise steward. Because this is what God says. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and all the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. So what does God own? Everything. Do we really own anything? No. No, it's a, it's a misnomer. It's a myth. We like to try to think, I own this and I own that. Look at all this stuff that I own. And I love, I can't remember who said, I was listening to a preacher preach, and I can't remember who said this, but he said, do you own your possessions or do your possessions own you? Good question to ask, isn't it? <laughs> and really when we start thinking, God owns it all. God, everything that I have is God's. Everything that I am is God's. Everything, my gifts, my abilities, my talents, it's God's. It's for God's glory, right? That's why you and I are here. God created us for his glory. And so when we start thinking like that, okay, God, these possessions are not mine. They're yours. What would you want me to do with them? As a wise steward for you, right? A wise steward is, is, is to be found faithful, we're to be faithful. I can't remember, and I remember reading this too, and I don't know if it was uh, it's one of the old pastor from the 1800s. I can't remember. It was either Charles Wesley or John Wesley or one of those guys said um, his, maybe it was Whitfield, I can't remember, one of the famous preachers, but his house was on fire. And someone came to tell him, he goes, hey, your house is on fire. And he's like, oh, okay. And he's like, aren't you upset? Aren't you going to do anything? What are you gonna? And he's like, well, it's not my house. It's God's. And if God chooses for my house to burn down, it's his. He can choose what he wants to do with it. Now, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't respond that way. And, and, I, pro- and I know I wouldn't respond like Job, right? When Job lost everything and God said, the Lord hath given, the Lord hath taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Man, to, to recognize that God can give and God can take away. Because God is the owner of it all. That, that's the number one principle. If we get that, everything else in our lives will line up under that. Right? If God wants me to give more to a certain uh, ministry, 
or give more to my church because we're trying to pay down debt, or if he wants us to give to a missionary or something where he's working on our hearts, give it. Pray and seek God. Say, God, this is yours. What do you want me to do with it? And, and he will bless, right? I don't have time to get into tithing and, and how God blesses in that. Um, and, and I'm sure a lot of you can give testimonies on that too. But let's, let's move on. Number two, the priority of a state transfer. And if you want, you can just put in parentheses or even put over a state transfer giving. All right? The priority of giving is dependency. Dependency. First Timothy 5.8. So this is, this is a priority or a, or a motive, if you will. In giving. 1 Timothy 5, verse 8. So when, when, we're, when we're giving an inheritance, when we're giving through our estate planning, it's, it's, it's a, called an estate transfer. But I, I like to use the word giving because it's more, it, it, that's what it is. You're giving, all right? So 1 Timothy 5, 8 says, but if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel, worse than an unbeliever. So our, our priority in, in giving through our state is, is providing for those who are dependent, providing for those who need it, those who are dependent on it, especially if, you're, if you have minor children. You've got to prepare. What's going to happen to them if something happens to you? How are, you, are they going to be provided for? Husbands and dads, you've got to step up here. If something happens to me, what's going to happen to my wife and my children? Are they going to be provided for? Do I have a plan in place for them? What's going to happen to my children if, if something happens to mom and dad? Who's going to be the guardian? These are so important to think about. And, and don't, don't fool yourself into thinking, well, just my parents or the grandparents will take them. Not necessarily. And you have to go through a court process. And all these, I could tell you some horror stories in regards to that. So, so the priority of giving is dependency. I'm giving to those who depend on me, all right? Number three, the motivation. The, the motivation, the reason of all giving, of all estate transfer must be love. Now, I have John 3.16 there. Obviously, you don't need to turn there. But we know what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave. Yeah, he gave to us out of what? Love. Love. So our giving to our, to our children, our grandchildren, whomever we're giving to, should be by love. Not because you have to, not because you're supposed to, not because that's what everybody else does. All right? I hate those. Oh, I hate it when people say that. There's, your estate plan is, is for you personally and how God is leading you to give. It doesn't matter what anyone else says. If you've got, like if you had a, a child... Like for me, I'll tell my, a personal example for me. So I've got an older daughter from, that I kind of mentioned uh, in my story. She's 26. I've got a younger daughter who's 10 that goes to Genesee Christian. All right. So you think about that. The one who's 10 needs more care than the one who's 26, right? So in my plan, I have provided more for her than for my older one. So it's, it's thinking. It doesn't mean, oh, there's two of them. You've got to give 50-50. No. No. <laughs> You have, to, you have to think through. And, and see, this is another reason why it's good to see an attorney. Not necessarily me, all right? If you don't, if you don't like me, I understand that. I don't like myself sometimes. But uh, um, it's good to meet with someone that's an expert. I, I don't want to call myself an expert, all right? Someone who's experienced in this, all right? 
don't want to sound like I'm arrogant or bragging or anything. Um, someone who's ex- experienced in estate planning, so they can ask you the right questions. I've had people ask me, what about, you know, what about, um, you know, online stuff? I, I beg you to steer away from that, all right? I, I really do. But if you have questions on that, we can answer that later. Let's, let's move on. So, so motivation of giving must be out of love. Don't give because you're expected to or you think you should. Maybe there's a child that, that you don't want. So here's, here's um, maybe there's a child you don't want to give to because they struggle with something like alcoholism or a drug addiction. You can put in your estate plan they don't receive a share unless they show that they're clean and sober. You can put conditions on it. Because what would happen even if you gave a $10,000 gift to an alcoholic? drug addict. You, yeah, we know, right? You don't even have to fill in the blank. I know myself personally. I didn't need any more money than I already had. <laughs> so the motivation of giving must be out of love. Number four. Let's move on to number four. People are always more important than dollars or things. Okay? Obviously this is, this is true. Let's turn to Luke. Luke chapter 15. And I, this is one of my I know this is a parable, and I, 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 this is one of my favorite stories in the Word of God. And I hesitate to use the word story, too, because people think all kinds of negative stuff when they think stories or it doesn't matter or it's not true. Um, but in this passage, we know it as the, it's a lot of times called the parable of the prodigal son. I like to call it the parable of the forgiving father because really it's about God. Amen? It's about God the Father. It's not about the Son or the other son, <laughs> the unrighteous one and the self-righteous one. All right, we could do a series on that, but let's talk about what I want to, need to talk about right now. Um, Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 11. And he says, uh, and he said, a certain man had two sons. This is Jesus speaking. And he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. So, what's the son saying to his dad here? Give me, give me my inheritance now. I wish you were dead. Is literally what he's saying. He didn't say it in so many words, but with his, with his thoughts and what he's thinking, that's what he's saying. And what does the dad do? He, he gives it to him. Well, it, you know, when you go back in that, in that Jewish culture, even in our culture today, we look at that dad and say, what an idiot. We would, right, if we're, you know, in the Jewish culture especially. That's scandalous. He wished he was dead. Cut him out. He, he wished you were dead. And the father gives it to him, and he knows what's going to happen. And the son goes off and wastes it on, on riotous living and all this and wastes his inheritance. And, and the best part of the story is when he comes back, right? God, I, Dad, I just want to be a servant. I don't care. You don't even have to restore me as a son. And we know the picture, right? The, the son is... You know, he's probably walking like this, his head down, and looking like Eeyore, right? Oh, woe is me. And his dad sees him. He's looking for him, right? He's looking for him, waiting for him to come back. And the dad, the dad just, he doesn't sit here and go, hmm, boy, I got some words for you, son. I can't wait to tell you I told you so, and uh, you so, you know, and all that. You know what he does? He runs to him and hugs him, right? And embraces him. See, this is, this is our God. 
This is our Father who loves to give us good gifts. So let's think about this. People are always more important than money. Our relationships with our family are always more important than our, our wealth and how we're transferring it. All right, I want you to remember that in this when you start thinking about planning. Because planning can actually help your relationships and can protect relationships after you're gone. I've seen, I've seen way too many family heartaches because there wasn't a plan in place and brothers and sisters fight. I have a good friend of mine that, that always tells me to share this testimony. He's like, Matt, um, one day, this was when the, he's now, he's about my age now, but uh, he went out to eat with his family, his, his dad and his mom, and this is about 10 years ago now, and, uh, and his dad sees, sees his sister. And now my friend never even knew this, never knew he had an aunt. And he's like, and, and the dad said, oh, we can't sit here, we got to move. And he's like, Dad, why is that? He goes, because that's my sister, and I don't want to talk to her, and I don't even want to see her. Because of something that happened like 20 years before, because there wasn't a plan in place, and the brother and sister fought over everything, and it just fractured the family. So, so planning, this is, this is really the most important part to me, is planning to protect your family. It's, pre- it's planning for protection and, and for that peace of mind, all right? So people are always more important than, than the wealth, and, and, and we know that and we get that. And that's why I want you to think of that, that a plan is actually planning to protect your family, to protect and provide. And, and our God is called a protector and a provider, amen? And, and especially as, as men, I'm going to single out the men especially, um, that we need to protect and provide for our families, all right? And, and single moms, if you're a single mom, I commend you and, and pray for you and, and just keep staying faithful, right? So Matthew, let's turn to the last one, number five, Matthew 25. Matthew 25, and I'm really going to I'm gonna have to hurry. <laughs> Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. Again, this is the parable of the talents, right? We're, we're aware of this. We know this. I want you to think through this in, a, in, 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 a, in an estate planning mindset since that's what we're covering this evening. Um, you know, this passage is in, in, in reference to judgment, right? Looking forward to judgment, being prepared, being prepared spiritually. And, and Jesus says here in, in verse 14, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And one he gave five talents to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth, and hid his Lord's money. Let's stop at verse 19 for a second. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. I I find this uh, kind of interesting that he says, after a long time. So we don't know when the Lord's returning. Amen? We don't know what, what tomorrow holds for us. So again, back to Psalm 90, verse 12. The Lord teaches to number our days, and we may gain a heart of wisdom. And here, with the parable of talents, when we know what happens in the end, right? He's, well done, thou good and faithful servant, he says to those who invested their talents. Those who were wise with what, they, what, what God had given them. Right? 
And so the point here is we need to be wise. We need to be found faithful with the blessings and the abilities and gifts that God's given us. Amen? And, and this is, and I know I'm taking it kind of out of context and referring it to, to estate planning, but it is really thinking through your life. It's being a wise steward of what you have. And on this note, I want to say something because, you know, in the United States of America today, we have more and are blessed more than 90 to 95% of the people who ever lived on the face of the earth. Look back, some of you, 30 and 40 years ago. Did you have air conditioning? No. Did you have cable TV? There was no such thing. Did you have one of these things that we... This handheld computer? It's not a cell phone, right? All these things that we have, so many people have never even had them. And, and if you ever go to another country, I went to a mission trip to Haiti. Uh, oh, it was about 10 years ago now. And, and I remember... The first night I was there, I kept a journal, and I, I wrote in there, and I said, I used to think I was, I was a thankful person. Now I realize I'm a spoiled brat. Go to another country. Go to an area where they have nothing, and it will change you, how you view what you have, how blessed we are in the United States. I don't care how little you have. Even people that are at the, I mean, even the lowest poverty level, I don't want to say lowest, but people that are, that are low income in the United States have more income. You know how much they make in Haiti? I think, I think it's like $2 a day, less than a Mountain Dew, right? It's crazy. And so here's, I want to share this real quick. When I was in Haiti, I remember, and I was thinking about this too, because when I was in Haiti, I'm like, man, I, God was really working on my heart. I'm like, man, I don't even, it was almost like practicing law was a waste of my time. I need to be doing something else. And, and God, and God talked spoke to me. Now, I don't want to say, you know, God spoke to me in a loud, in an audible voice, all right? He impressed upon my heart, and he said, you know, Matt, think about this. With, with estate planning, with the giving, all right, you give out of your estate to a, to a missionary, to your church, if you decided to give to your church here at Trinity Baptist. And you know what? People used to do this all their time in their, in their wills and trusts, was put their church in their, in their will and trust. But nowadays, our, again, we people so often jump from church to church and, and you know, I'll, I won't go there with that, but the point I want to make here is think about this. If you gave through your estate plan, through your trust or your will to a church or to a missionary, and, and you've already gone home to be with the Lord, and that money you left behind is still being used to win people to Christ. And while you're in heaven, you're gaining more rewards even while you're in heaven because of what you gave behind. And I, this just floored me. It was just something, you know, God spoke to my heart about. If you give this, God gives more. Amen? God loves to give and bless way more than we do. And he wants to bless us more than we want to be blessed. Do you believe that? He does. He does. It is more blessed to give than receive. Amen? And, and you have to give to receive. It starts the process. All right? <laughs> All right, so I spent most of my time talking about biblical principles, which is awesome. That's what I want to do anyway. Um, so second handout, all right? Second handout is, and I got in here, benefits of a living trust, trust versus a will. And I'm going to try to do this like rapid fire in less than 10 minutes, okay? So I can get you done and out of time. And I, I do want, I'm going to stay later, so if anyone wants to ask questions, um, 
I'll, I'll be up here at the front for a few minutes, and then I think if anyone else wants to uh, go into a, um, I think, brother, there you are, in the choir room. Okay. Um, if anyone wants to go in further and ask more questions, I'll be here for a while if you want to talk to me about that. Okay. So, so benefits of a living trust versus a will. Now, people think, you know, you need to be wealthy, you've got to have a lot of money to have a trust and all that. I'm just going to say I've had clients that have had several hundred thousand dollars and they, and they decided to do a will instead of a trust. And I've had clients that, that have had very little and they wanted to do a trust instead of a will because they wanted to protect their family from going through probate, from going through any kind of problems. Now, a trust isn't a guarantee that there won't be problems, but it helps a lot immensely, all right? Um, if any of you have gone through probate or have had to deal with probate, um, it can be very burdensome. It can be very difficult. It can be very painful. And especially if you're already, usually if you're going through probate, you're grieving the loss of a loved one. All right? That's usually the case. Right? So number one, trust versus will. It talks about avoiding probate court, and a will guarantees that you'll go through probate. Here's another myth. People think that if you have a will, that avoids probate. You know, I'm sorry, it doesn't. A will guarantees that you will go through probate. So, so the purpose of probate court is to take the assets of the person who is deceased and pass them to the heirs. All right, so in probate court, you have to file a bunch of forms. You have to get what's called letters of authority. And then whoever the executor or personal representative is, then they have the authority to distribute the way the will is stated. All right, or or sell assets and do what they need to do, all right? Here's the other thing I want you to know. If you don't have a plan and you decide you don't want to have a plan, the government has a plan for you. Yeah, I'll just pause on that one for a second. For effect. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but I don't trust the government to make decisions for me, especially that personal, that kind of a personal decision. So that should motivate you to think about that, all right? So a, how a trust avoids probate is by what you do is, and I'm just going to try to simplify this, all right? We, we take the assets that you, that you own, and we transfer them into the name of the trust, all right? And then, and then you name a successor trustee. So whoever your successor trustee is, when you go home and be with the Lord, then the successor trustee steps into your shoes, and then they can distribute or manage or handle the state just like you would according to the wishes in your trust, all right? So that's, that's about as simple as I could put it. So, for instance, like if you had a home that you own in your name, you would, we would draft a new deed to transfer or retitle the home in your trust rather than in your name, and then upon your going home to be with the Lord, then whoever your trustee is can come in and sell the home or, or whatever, however you want that distributed, all right? So that's a, that's a simplified way of looking at it. Two reasons to avoid probate court, and I'm not going to go into a lot of detail on this, um, are the time it takes, the length of time in probate, and the cost. The average length of probate in the United States of America is 18 months. And I've, I've been through probate where a really simple probate, like my grandparents, they had, they had a home, a couple of cars, a couple of bank accounts, retirement. That was it. And it took us 13 months to get through probate. Now, if we would have had a trust, probably could have done it in, in a month. Now, the, the length of probate is because it takes time of the process. You've got to file the forms. You've got to 
the, the court oversees everything and you got to submit to the court, okay? So the second thing is the cost of probate. Average cost of probate in the United States is 5% average, 5 to 10% of what the total estate is worth. So if you take an estate that's worth 200000 and you take 5% off the top, that's $10,000. Now that cost is either going to, to pay for fees in the probate court or attorney's fees or things of that nature, all right? So, so the cost and the length of probate can be burdensome to someone that's, that's going through a difficult time. All right, let's move on to the second point there. Privacy versus public document. Now, a trust is a private document, meaning you never have to enter it into court unless you choose to. A will has to go into probate court, and once it's entered into probate, it becomes a public document, and anyone can look at it. I get, I get mail and email all the time from uh, detective agencies that look for errors and find errors for you, auction places, uh, uh, antique places because my name I was on, on some of these probate forms as the attorney and so they send me this stuff it's a public document and this is why up to up to a third uh, four, 33 to 40 percent of wills are challenged in court less than five percent of trusts are challenged in court so a trust is a lot lots uh, less likely to be uh, challenged in court all right and I could tell you some some stories on that. Public document, I know, uh, just real briefly, I want to mention a couple of, we, we know, uh, you know, like Prince, Prince, the or the artist formerly known as Prince, or whatever the guy's name was, or whoever he is, um, that died a few years ago. So he had nothing, right? This guy that's, uh, and his estate is going to keep growing, right? Like Elvis Presley, his estate is worth more now than it was when he died. Um, and so Prince, his they're still trying to determine in probate court who his heirs are because 35 people said they were his child. And, you know, I won't go into anything on that, but, look, you know, what kind of a mess and confusion and, and strife is that going to be for years and, and money and waste? And I'm sure his attorneys are eating it up because they're charging fees up like crazy, you know. That kind of stuff happens. Uh, let's go on to point number three. Point number three is you... With a trust, you retain maximum control over your property. Will, there's less control. So if you're a control freak, I recommend a trust. <laughs> it's just with a trust, you can put in there what kind of things you would want, when you would want your estate distributed. Like, you can delay a distribution to a child, like a minor child. If they're young and you want to delay it till their older age, you can do that. With a will, you can't delay the distribution. As soon as a minor child turns 18... They receive whatever share is in there for them. So I don't know about you all, but I know if I would have received, let's say, $100,000 at age 18, yeah, you get the picture, right? By age 18 in one month, it would have been gone. Maybe less. <laughs> so with a, with a trust, we can, we can put limits on it. We can decide when we want it distributed, to whom we want it distributed, and when. Those kind of things, all right? The next one goes right along with, with number four, uh, with number three, sorry, and that's freedom of choice. With a trust, you have more choices. With a, with a will, as soon as it gets into probate, you have no choices left. Now you're restricted by the court. All right? So, so trust gives you more choice. The, the, the diff, main, another difference between the trust and the will, and you see it right there at the bottom, is the cost, right? The cost of a trust is more upfront than a will. 
um, but the co- the value of the trust, the investment, can save you thousands, and even it's more than the money that it can save, but it can possibly save relationships. All right. Last thing I want to mention before we close. All right, and that's powers of attorney. If you don't if you don't do anything with a trust or will, at the very least, I I strongly urge you, I beseech you, my brethren. <laughs> to have a power attorney for health care at the very least. All right? In case something happens to you, you can make decisions ahead of time on what kind of treatment you want or don't want and who you want those decisions to make for you and not allowing the hospital and the doctors and health insurance and all that stuff to make the decisions for you. Okay? So, all right. That's it. Well, I finished that last 10 minutes pretty faster than I thought I could. So I bared you some stories. <laughs> All right, so I'm, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna close in prayer. You wanted to pray too, right, Pastor Seth? Or, okay, I'll let you. you just. Well, um, some of you feel sick uh, to your stomachs. Uh, others of you feel guilty. Some of you are confused. Some of you are rejoicing because everything's uh, perfectly planned. Um, but I will tell you this, as your pastor, uh, Mr. Anderson went into some things, trust, wills, things like that, that I'm not an expert on. But I know this, when I interact, and I have interacted with some of you in this room here this evening, and many people now over the past seven years, uh, someone who has lost a loved one, uh, it's sudden, it's unexpected, and outside of the mourning and the grief that comes of losing the loved one, there now is this overwhelming burden of what am I going to do now with all of life that he took care of or that she took care of. And as a pastor, there have been many times where I've walked away thinking I wish I could help them um, more, but it's personal. And the reality is uh, I'm not an expert on these some of these matters. I can't be a person's husband or wife in those moments, but you can be warned and you can prepare in part for some things that will happen. So um, in having Mr. Anderton here, I'm watching for your soul. I'm looking ahead for you. And, uh, and I want you to be as best prepared as you possibly can with what God has provided you with. So it's a good thing to think about. It's not a bad thing. We ought not shy away from it. Heaven is our home. No one likes to talk about death, but it is. it leads us to, to live better lives, more godly lives, more wise lives in this lifetime. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to close with a word of prayer. You may have some questions. There are three different ways you can handle those questions, okay? One, Mr. Anderson is going to be up here for the next five to ten minutes. Uh, maybe you just want to come up and get a phone number from him. Um, maybe you don't want to talk to him further, but you'd like some recommendations of other attorneys. He might have some recommendations for you to that end. After five to ten minutes, he's going to go over to the choir room. Uh, he said he'd stay till eight o'clock. Um, he's not charging us for his time. Uh, this is a ministry to you and to me. Um, that's going to be limited, so you can't dominate his time. Okay, it's not the first one in the door gets the whole. 50, 40 minutes or whatever. You can't do that, but you might have a couple questions. Well, what about this? What about that? So you have something to chew on when you leave for tonight. And then the other option would be uh, you can make an appointment with him. I'll tell you this, just so you know, 
I've never met with Mr. Anderton. He's not done my will. He's not done a trust for me or anything like that, okay? I'm not getting any kind of a kickback by having him speak to you, okay? This is simply for your benefit. You're responsible for your things, for your life, for what God's entrusted into your care. So take advantage of the opportunity. One thing that I that really enthused me by about having him was, here's a man, this is his expertise, but he cares more about what the Bible says and the Lord and eternity than he does about the present. And so there's a lot of wisdom there that you're not going to find uh, in most attorneys, even those who might be experts in law or on um, wills and testaments and, and trusts and those sort of things. So let's pray, and then he'll be up here for just about five minutes, and then he's going to head right over to the choir room.